Welcome to BSD Talk, number 232. It's Monday, October 7, 2013. I just have an interview for you today, so here it is. Today on BSD Talk, we're speaking with Thomas Court. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And you're a contributor to the Minix operating system and also participating in the Google Summer of Code this year. And both of those are, to a certain extent, related to the BSDs. I guess, in, in uh, Minix uh, by license and also by the addition of code from NetBSD. So why don't we start there, and could you tell us how you first got interested in Minix? Uh, sure. Uh, well, I had, uh, tried out Minix in high school when I uh, read the Operating Systems Design and Implementation book by Andrew Tannenbaum. That the, the dinosaur book? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Everybody knows that cover. And uh, then uh, in 2010, I got involved with Google Summer of Code and ended up implementing Unix domain sockets in Minix. And then uh, the following year, I did Summer of Code again for package, uh, well, for Minix, uh, developing a package source on Minix and upstreaming patches and porting new software. And uh, it was after that uh, when I was. Uh, trying to get my changes back into package source upstream that I asked how I could help the process move along and I was invited to become a NetBSD developer. Um, And from uh, there I've been uh, contributing to both uh, Minix and NetBSD. And uh, Minix uh, shares a lot of code with uh, NetBSD. Um, We've got about 80 utilities that are from NetBSD as well as the C library, build system, bootloader, password format, and uh, package source. And Minix holds a little special place in my heart because it was one of the early Unix-like operating systems that I ever tried. I don't know what version it was, but I must have had like a, I don't know, it must have been a 486 or, yeah, I think it was prior to the Pentium. And I installed something on a DOS partition and it booted up and I was able to play Asteroids and look at some Unix utilities, but I don't quite remember what it was. I didn't go too much further than that, and I think probably Minix is well known from the argument between Linus Torvalds and Andrew Tannenbaum about whether microkernels versus monolithic kernels are the way to go. I guess for people that aren't familiar with Minix, if you were to sort of give an elevator pitch for it, how would you describe it? All right, well, Minix is... uh a POSIX-compatible operating system. It's uh, sort of like Unix, um, but uh, the design of the kernel is radically different. Um, uh, Everything happens in user space, so all of the drivers, all of the file systems, everything is just uh, separate programs, and we have a small kernel that uh, facilitates message passing between the programs, and the kernel also enforces uh, security between uh, the different uh, system processes so that you don't end up having the audio driver uh, talking to the network card or the network driver writing to the disk. And that 
uh, allows us to do several things that other operating systems uh, can't do or can't do very well, um, such as if a driver crashes, uh, we can do some self-healing and recovery so that um, uh, you don't end up with a whole system crash. Um, For example, um, if your network driver crashes, it can be uh, restarted on the fly. We also have a live update feature, which lets you update system-level processes as they're running, um, and it makes the whole system uh, more reliable, and it makes driver development really easy. Uh, This past summer, I've been uh, developing drivers for BeagleBoard.org as part of Summer of Code again, and I've had drivers that I've developed that um, have had like an infinite loop in them or a seg fault, and you can just stop the driver, uh, fix the code, recompile, and start it up again uh, without having the whole system come crashing down spectacularly. So this is much different than loadable modules. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, the program, the system-level services uh, only have access to certain hardware resources and have to ask the kernel for permission to do anything. And most of them don't run as root and uh, can't do a lot of damage uh, if something goes haywire. Now, besides maybe sort of the security or stability and self-healing, are there other benefits to a microkernel architecture? I don't know about scalability or speed or anything else. Um, Well, it sort of lends itself to... um, multi-core and multi-processor systems because um, each of the different system services is running as a separate process and um, it's easy to sort of distribute those among CPUs. And I, I've heard criticisms that with a lot of message message passing between user space programs that performance maybe isn't the strongest part of a microkernel, although you gain other benefits. Uh, yeah, it's definitely a bit of a trade-off. Um, it depends what kind of load you're running, but it's probably about a 10 or 15 percent uh, performance hit. But if you can make up for that with stability and security, some people might like that trade-off, especially in embedded systems or mission-critical systems that just can't go down. So when did Minix start adopting NetBSD, and are you aware of why they chose that for the userland utilities? Uh, so Minix began importing the NetBSD user land uh, about uh, four or five years ago, and the decision was uh, mainly made so that the Minix developers could focus more on uh, what makes Minix special, it, the microkernel design and the uh, server architecture. We feel that no one's going to choose Minix because it has uh, one or two really great utilities, we feel that that's why they would choose it because it has a, a good architecture and is reliable. And so for the user space programs, uh, we wanted something that was well-tested, portable, and had all the bugs worked out. And uh, we feel that uh, NetBSD provides a portable set of utilities and libraries, and it's a good fit for Minix. Now, if somebody's already a, a NetBSD user... If they were to run Minix, would they really feel like they were running NetBSD and there'd just be a different kernel that they didn't really realize they were using? Uh, Not yet. I think there's still uh, some more work to be done in Minix with the uh, startup scripts as well as some of the available features. 
there's still some stuff that hasn't been imported yet. Um, and uh, there's currently work underway to replace our TCP IP stack to support IPv6. Uh, so there's still some things that they would be missing if they came over to Minix, but uh, we're working hard to uh, get there. Do you have any of the desktop stuff there, you know, Xorg or X486 running? Uh, we do have a very ancient version of X that uh, does compile and run, but uh, we haven't uh, gotten a new version of X uh, ported yet. And you did mention embedded systems, so that must mean you're running on more architectures than just i386. Uh, yes, that's right. Uh, in the last uh, year and a half or so, we've been working on an ARM port, and our sort of reference implementation is the BeagleBoard XM, as well as the BeagleBone and the new BeagleBone Black. Yeah, the BeagleBone Black got a lot of press recently as, I guess, a competitor or at least operating in the same space as the Raspberry Pi. Uh, yes, it's slightly more powerful, but also slightly more expensive. It's about $45 for an ARM Cortex-A8, and it has HDMI output, uh, onboard flash, and another a number of other features. And what are you doing in your work to bring Minix to the BeagleBone? Uh, so over the summer, I originally had just planned on doing ITC drivers, uh, for the BeagleBone and BeagleBoard XM, but I've uh, been making a lot of progress in that area, so I've been uh, working on other stuff as well. I added support for the power management chips on the boards, as well as drivers for the real-time clock and GPIO, and I'm currently working on porting the frame buffer driver to the BeagleBone Black Device driver development is one of those things that seems like pure magic to me, particularly people that are doing a lot of reverse engineering. How is the documentation for the Beagle boards? Uh, the documentation is really great. For just the ARM chip alone, there's a manual that's over 4,000 pages long that describes pretty much everything you ever wanted to know about it. Uh, most of the chips on the board come with full documentation, and uh, there's also the a thing called Starterware from TI, which has example code that's BSD licensed for uh, almost all of the peripherals on the chip. The only thing that doesn't have a lot of documentation is the HDMI framer on the BeagleBone Black. But other than that, it's been really great. So besides sort of hacking on code, what interesting things are you doing with Minix? In the past uh, few weeks, I've uh, developed drivers for the Weather Cape. It's an expansion board for the BeagleBone, and it has sensors for like humidity, barometric pressure, ambient light, and temperature. And I've ported a little web application that displays those on the screen, and so I've got that uh, running in my room to show the current uh, weather conditions at my place. And if there was, uh, I guess if you had all the time in the world or all the smarts in the world. What uh, what features of Minix do you wish you could get fixed, done, or developed at this point? Uh, the most important thing for me right now would be uh, implementing job control and uh, porting X11. And for people that have never tried Minix, is it 
fairly easy to install or where does one go to get it and sort of what's the process to bootstrap one of these things? Sure. Um, to get Minix, uh, you just head over to minix3.org and uh, click on download and you can download an ISO image to install on an Intel system. The ARM port is moving very quickly, so we don't uh, have any images up uh, for that at the moment, but that'll be coming soon. Uh, for that, uh, you need to go head over to the Minix wiki. It's wiki.minix3.org, and there's instructions there for building an SD card image for the BeagleBone or BeagleBoard. It's been pretty... Uh, well wrapped up in one single script and you just have to create a settings file and run one command and it'll build an SD card image for you. When you're not working on Minix, you did mention that you do some work with NetBSD. Uh, sort of, What are you doing in that space and, and are you using NetBSD on any other systems in your house or in your personal and work life? Uh, for NetBSD, I've mainly been upstreaming some package source changes from Minix as well as upstreaming a few uh, programs that I've modified to use in Minix, and I felt that the changes were good enough to send back to NetBSD. So, for example, the I2C scan program uh, came up with a way to make it work better on the BeagleBoard XM, and so I made those changes for Minix and then sent the patches uh, back up, and those were committed. And I updated some man pages as well. Uh, as for NetBSD in my home, I'm currently working on setting up a print server, uh, but I don't uh, use it too much at home. I love trying all kinds of operating systems, and needless to say, it's been a long time since I've poked Minix, so maybe it's time to at least download it and take a look at it. I guess to a certain extent, it's probably for me, it's going to be yet another shell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Uh, and I'm probably not running it in any way, or I wouldn't be running it in any way that would really show its unique characteristics. But uh, it's always interesting to try things out. So hopefully it's fairly easy to get, get running. Uh, yeah, the install is uh, pretty simple. It's basically just answering questions. It, you'll feel familiar if you've used the OpenBSD installer. And you can install uh, binary packages uh, through Packagen. It's a front-end to package source, and uh, currently we have about 3,000 packages that uh, build and run on Minix. All right. Well, I'll have to give it a try. And thank you for taking some time out of your day here and uh, telling us a little bit about Minix and your work with the Google Summer of Code. Uh, no problem. Thanks for having me. All right. If you'd like to leave comments on the website or reach the show archives, you can find them at bsdtalk.blogspot.com. And if you'd like to send me an email, you can reach me at bitgeist at yahoo.com. That's B-I-T-G-E-I-S-T at yahoo.com. Thank you for listening. This has been BSD Talk number 232.